Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Summer Your Week with St. Luke's special edition of Ask the Pastors Anything. And this is going to be session one, because you all ask great questions on the Sunday that we did the Ask the Pastor Anything in worship. And so we decided to answer more of your questions that didn't get answered or to more fully develop some of the questions we did get to answer, but probably answered a little bit too quickly. Um, and so we've got a good four sessions, probably, that we're going to be talking um, throughout July and uh, hopefully have some great conversation and pique your interest and maybe you're going to want to know more, which some of these discussions we're going to actually have classes about in the fall. So you've got all three pastors here. And this week we're going to talk about baptism and salvation. You had lots of questions. So before we get to that, we also want to answer some of the personal questions you asked us. So pastors, what is the best part about being a pastor to you? Ooh. I didn't mean to stump you right out. There. Know, right? To... <laughs> we were prepared to, to explain I... baptism. Um, <laughs> I think so. I, for me, being a pastor at St. Luke's, particularly, uh, as many of y'all know, the first 10 years of my ministry was in extension ministry, in camp and retreat ministry. And there's something really beautiful about that. Um, but what you don't get to do is the long-term relationships. So that has been something that has been really um, wonderful in the last five years for me here is to get to walk with people. Um, there are many parts of their story. Um, I get to see kids grow up and get to, to see um, people find their way into different um, callings and spaces and um, and that kind of stuff. So I think those long-term um, relationships are, are special to me. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to say. I was, uh, um, before going to seminary, I was a youth director for 13 years and, and I got to see young people's lives transformed by the gospel, right? By the grace and love of Jesus. Um, and and now being a pastor, especially being a part of, of St. Luke's for a longer period of time, I get to not only see people's lives transformed in that initial, like that spark of, oh, I am worthy of God's love and I need to do something with that. Now I get to see long-term repercussions, you know, um, people falling and finding their spouse and starting families and bringing their families to mission experiences and to worship and those, those long-term, um, uh, ex from, from experiencing the grace and love of Jesus, from hearing the gospel and being transformed and then seeing a little bit more of how God moves in their lives. That's, that's just the, the best part for me. You know, it's interesting because I I was listening to a podcast this morning and part of, I think part of our podcast work is to like lift up other podcasts, um, but it's the crackers and grape juice where they yes. talk about church things without using stained glass window mm -hmm. language. And they're interviewing Bishop Sue Hopper Johnson, who's from Florida and is now the Bishop in Virginia. And she was saying, she answered this question and she was saying something to the effect of being with people in the most sacred moments of their life. Mm -hmm. Um, and there is something sacred I've been, you know, whether it's been death or birth or, I mean, I've, I've been with people through fertility treatments and have prayed over their IVF in the moment of conception and, and the doctors let me be there. And it just, there's, there's sacred moments we get to enter into just to be the presence of the Holy spirit. And that's really powerful. Yes. Um, but also 
you know, the reason I work in the church is to make the local church work right. Um, and the best part is when we get to see it work and work well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and I'll be, I'll be vulnerable and say, I was in a, I got in a bit of a, a Facebook social media kerfluffle by accident. And, uh, there was conversation that was going back and forth between people, but having people who are outside of the church, but connected with St. Luke's mm-hmm. through theater and art ministries. And some of those, some of that work that we do, um, feeling safe enough to stand up and share their story. It was yeah. just really powerful. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, there's the local church when it works the best. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. One, here's a fun one before we get into the deep stuff, what's the most unusual thing you've been asked to do as a pastor? (laughs) Oh, the stories we could tell. (laughs) Of the things we can share here. That's a whole Um, other podcast. It is a whole other podcast. That's a whole, like, like not just an episode, but like a whole podcast. Yeah. We could do five years, um, 20 episodes. The most unusual thing for me, the first most unusual thing I will say, that I can tell is actually John's cousin got married and I, I was, I was performing the wedding. And before I performed the wedding, I met with them and um, they want, they really love their dogs. And it was the first time I was, and I was in a guest church. I was, I was in North Carolina and they asked that their dogs be able to um, walk the bride down the aisle. And I was like, uh, like, can I do that? And I was, I was new in ministry and I was like, it's not my church, which I don't know what their rules are. And like, I I literally had to call my clergy friends and my sister and go like, is this legal? Like, am I allowed to Is the book of word of And then I finally was like, you know what? I'm not in my own church and no one's ever going to know. So let's bring it up. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You guys, anything? Um, mine actually happened, I guess, last year. Um, and it was for St. Lucas, um, who uh who were had a had a family member who um was was in hospice care. They knew that time was was short. Um, and, um, they, that he and his, his, or she and she and her husband had planned to do, um, a renewing of vows like next year. And they just knew that wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. So they called and asked if one of us could come and, and do a vow renewal. And, um, I, I have to say, I have not ever done a vow renewal in this particular situation. And, um, so I was, I'll be honest, I was a little nervous. I wasn't sure what this was going to look like because she wasn't, she wasn't very responsive at the time. And, um, so, so I wasn't exactly sure what was going to come, but what ended up happening was probably one of the most holy moments that I've ever had um, in my life, which was this incredible opportunity to celebrate love and to celebrate a relationship, people that had been together almost 50 years surrounded by their children and grandchildren with more joy and life and mm-hmm. energy and they played music and the the little girls put on princess dresses and and walked down the aisle and all of this right in their living room. 
Um, and I don't think this family would mind me me sharing this story here because um, it is wonderful. Because now when I see those little girls at church, um, mm -hmm. we have the most wonderful moments and they color me pictures. And so that is definitely the most unusual and one of the most wonderful. So sometimes those odd things that, that don't fit right. <laughs> um, yep. become some of the most incredible experiences. Yeah. 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 Um, so one I would think of is, is one of the first weddings I did here. Um, and it was at uh, Discovery Cove. Oh the, yeah, that's right. I remember the, that. The first Saturday in December, my first you year. Married with the dolphins. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we all had to be there at like 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. uh, the ceremony had to be finished before the park opened. And uh, it was the couple and I in the water up to about my waist. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, we put on robes for church, but I had to put on a wetsuit um, and <laughs> and a stole I had pinned up so it wouldn't get in the water. So it was like just at my belly and the microphone pack really up high and, and, the, and the, you know, the 90s Madonna uh, microphone and um it was really cool it was really but it was very unique it's very <laughs> um and it was very it, not only was it cool but it was cold because the water was very 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 cold but very an interesting experience and the groom was from New Zealand and so that they they could fly their family to Orlando best and they're Methodist from Washington cool. State or something and um so yeah yeah it was really it's probably never ever happen again, but I was going to say weddings are a whole, like that's just a whole book. The category. Yeah. Weddings are a whole book. Funerals. Yeah. Yep, yeah. I guess I did just earlier say I was at the conception of someone's trial. <laughs> yeah. Which is unusual. But uh, you, you yeah. did specify IVF though. So that yeah. was, yeah, that, was IVF. Important. That was, was very important. important. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I was like with the doctor. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let's jump into baptism. Speaking of babies. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a segue you gave us. <laughs> I just snorted. So what is the goal of baptizing babies? Someone asked. Yeah. What, what is the goal? Why do we do it? Well, it's interesting. Goal is an interesting right. question. I don't know there's a goal for the baby as much as the goal of under this child's understanding that promises were made for them because we believe that God's grace is already at work in their life and will continue to work in their life. Right. So the goal of the, the, the family that they're not alone in this right. raising of this child because the congregation makes vows, but what do you all think? Well, I think one of the things to to part part of where this question and the other questions that that we're going to answer here, because so many St. Lucas are not didn't grow up Methodist, didn't grow up in a mainline tradition. Um, so so whether it's you grew up in a tradition that had infant baptism but didn't ever understand it, or grew up in a tradition that didn't have infant baptism, um, for us it's a sacrament, and so so whatever's happening there, you know, we do a lot of things around it, but it's God's it's God's naming and claiming of the child. It's us offering. A, a ritual around God's action. Um, and so that's sort of like the first, first piece is to, to sort of ritualize something that God um, has really already done, but does also in that moment through symbols of water too. So, and, and you know, communion is oftentimes uh, in, in Wesleyan circles um, called a sustaining sacrament. We do it often to sustain and remember uh, and baptism is an initiating 
uh, sacrament, right? And that's the language we use in the beginning of the service. We are incorporated and initiated in the body. So it's it's, it's bringing that child, that person um, fully into the bod- that body of Christ and Christianity too, right? So um, it, it, some of that imagery goes back to anointing, right? Anointing is claiming someone um, or, and claiming God's presence in their lives. And so um, to, to baptize is the claim, like you said, Melissa, the claim what God is doing um, and that they're beloved. Yeah. And, and to, again, differentiate those pieces, you know, if you grew up in a sort of non-liturgical tradition where maybe you heard that babies were dedicated, um, dedication is, is something that is entirely the work of, of us. Um, Baptism is us joining God in God's work. And that, that's one of those nuanced theological things that, that is an important distinction um, and, and why that, why we, we specifically will baptize and we don't dedicate as Methodists. Right. Um, because I have a half of my family that are all Southern Baptist. And right. when all three of our kids were being baptized, they kept calling it uh, whatever you said. Dedication. I can remember. Yep. No, they're being, they're being baptized. They're being baptized. They're being baptized. Because right. God is the primary actor. Yep. So that gets into the next two questions. And, and it's, it's a question and then a half a question. And it's around salvation and this idea of what we would call a distinctive believer's baptism versus our sacrament of baptism as Methodists. Um, one of the questions, if baptized as an infant, are you still saved if you declare your belief later and then grew up teaching that baptism should only follow the salvation prayer as a public de- declaration? So let's talk about that. Let's, you know, the difference in other denominations is that, yes, it is done as believer's baptism. Like I publicly declare my faith and then I'm baptized with water, born of the spirit. Um, But that's not what we believe is at work necessarily um, in, in our understanding of, of baptism. So who wants to, who wants to, I teed it up. I, I'll I'll add on to teeing it up by saying that I think we would probably in a conversation separate the concepts of baptism and salvation. Very not that there's not a relationship, mm-hmm. but that in, in that question and in what, what you see in other traditions and, and maybe again, how you grew up, um, that, that those don't necessarily go together. Um, particularly when you talk about baptizing infants, um, because again, if you if it's if it's directly related to my decision, then of course an infant couldn't couldn't make that decision. And so, um, so yeah. So I think th- think the first thing for us would be that we would sort of split those conversations that that baptism and salvation, um, while not completely unrelated, are not are not um, synonymous. Right. That's that's the the first argument I got with a professor in seminary. Uh, and it was uh, it was one of those everyone in your in your class had to take the class, so everyone was there, and Shelley <laughs> was pulling me down because uh, the professor wasn't Wesleyan and coming from a Wesleyan tradition, and they were saying that you have to be baptized to be saved, and you have to be a member of that specific denomination to be saved. And I was like, can you point out in the Bible where the twelve, you know, or right. where the on the cross? Uh, was 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 baptized next to Jesus when Jesus entered into heaven because Jesus is going against your doctrine. Your your te- you know Shelley's like stop 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 you know uh, yeah go ahead so so salvation is not necessary for baptism baptism is not necessary for salvation yep but the saving work of Jesus Christ through His grace is what we are celebrating at baptism 
And, and claiming that grace and that saving work is at work in our lives before we even understand it, which we would call prevenient grace, the grace that comes the grace that comes before, which is, which is why, of course, that grace is at work in that child's life, in that baby's life. I was, I was baptized at two weeks old y'all because Dr. Paul, Dr. Paul Horton wanted a Christmas baptism. And I was the baby that was born in (laughs) December. Um, but yeah, I mean, at at two weeks, God is at work in that child's life and that baby's life and working God's grace through the family, through the community, through all of these ways. And that's what we're celebrating is, is that God is at work and we're claiming that this is a child of God, that this is a child who God is at work in and that our jobs in baptism is to live out that saving work of Christ and that grace in ways that will be examples to this child until the day they publicly declare their faith in Jesus Christ. And so there is a, there's beyond the saving work is why we do it, but it's not unnecessary to be saved because Christ has already done that work. And see, that's the biggest emphasis. Go ahead. (laughs) I was going to say, that's the biggest emphasis for us is that God is the, the, I said a minute ago, primary actor in salvation. It's not dependent upon us. It is for us. And, um, which is why we don't rebaptize. Right. Because what God, God did, God right did. The first time. Yeah. So yeah. that this, this, and Jen led us into this is, is if we're going to have the conversation about salvation, then we as Wesleyans, we as Methodists um, don't sort of think of salvation necessarily as a moment or a specific mm-hmm. individual decision. Um, you'll hear the term Wesleyan way of salvation, the via salutis. Um, mm-hmm. And that's those graces that Jen was talking about, provenient grace that goes before us, justifying grace that lets us make decisions that that is, that is within there, there for us to respond. Um, and then the sanctifying grace that keeps working on us through our whole lives. And when you look at both of our sacraments, um, it's, it's often easier to see with communion, but in baptism, we see all three modes of the, that grace there, um, provenient in the baptizing of the child, um, justifying in that, in that when we baptize, we also tell God's story Mm -hmm. and, and we tell God's story to a whole congregation. We also don't do private baptisms, that this is something that always happens in community. Um, And so those who are hearing God's story might in that moment receive justifying grace and and make some decisions for themselves there. Um, And then in sanctifying grace, there's always a congregational response. There's always a commitment, as Jen said, for the community to say, you're not alone. (laughs) You you aren't doing this by yourself, whether it's the child or the family or whoever needs to hear that in the moment that we- Or the adult we baptize. Yeah. Right, right. So, so you, you do have the whole of salvation, um, in baptism, but it's not in the way that probably it has been framed in, in different traditions. And there is a sense of water being born of water and the spirit being born and dying to the old way. And it's not necessarily your old way of life, Mm. but the old way of life that the world says, this is, this is what wraps you. This is what you're born into. And, and even as an infant being able to claim, no, we, you're being born into the water of the spirit. Um, Like with Nicodemus, you know, being born in this water of spirit that, that you're being, 
born into the kingdom of God in the midst of this world. And that's, that's the kingdom of God is what your goal is right. amongst us. Yeah. Which, is, let's talk about water. Okay. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, if we're going to baptize babies, we better make sure we have discipleship for children. We better make sure we have VBS, right? We better make sure we do confirmation so that that child can under grow up in it. We better make sure, like, I think you heard you, Jenny, say, we have donuts that the kids can run through, you know, and we're going to put an extra dollar in the donut so that kid can make sure they, you know, have donuts and, and we're going to carry them on in faith and be the church that we're all in that covenant together. And right. And, and the church better not just have those things, but you better participate in that. That's, that's what I was going to say. You made the covenant <laughs> to this child and this family that you will live as a living example of Jesus Christ yeah. until they that's accept the their way faith. That their life. So and you better be. That, yeah. Everything Jed has described are programs. It's not the programs that do it. It's the people, the people. that are in relationship with yep. children. And we are lucky enough to have a church that can form a program that you can find your space in. And so, um, yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, it's, it's, I always, I used to say, I haven't said it in a while. These are the people you go to when you need a donut, a dollar for a donut, but I need to add, and they better know your name. Yep. <laughs> And, and ask you not just pay the dollar, but ask you, you know, you know, how's it going and what's going on? Cause that's our responsibility is to know these children, because it's been proven statistically as Melissa likes to tell us all the time that when they have, when children have at least five people who know them by name and who know their life story and support them and encourage them, they stay involved in the life of the church, even after they leave and grow up. Yep. Lana and I were just talking um, about our 1115 service that has become this beautiful moment where all of our ages come together every single week and we celebrate communion every single week. Um, and she talked about, you know, if, if you'll pay attention in that service, she names every kid as they're coming up. And mm -hmm. she was saying to me, I really hope people are paying attention and, and they're realizing I'm helping them learn names. Um, I obviously know the names and I want the kids to feel important because, but she's like, I, I, I hope people hear that when I say them, I want you to now know them each week too. Right. So, yeah. So immersion, why, people ask, why don't we immerse? Melissa, you, require immersion? <laughs> yesterday, beautiful. There, there's, there is a joke. I will, I will mm. preface that this is a joke, um, a big joke of between um, someone who baptizes, a pastor who's baptizing um, via sprinkling and a pastor, pastor who baptizes uh, via immersion. And the immersion pastor says, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta immerse them. And the, so the other pastor says, well, well, what about just like up to the ankles? And they said, nope, not enough. What about just up to the knees? Nope, that's not enough. You got to keep going. What about just up to the waist? Um, nope, got to keep going. What about up to the neck? Nope, not enough. Well, what about just all the way, just like right above my eyes and not, nope, all, all the way. So, so what you're saying is the most important part is the top of the head. <laughs> which is exactly so, what we do which is what we generally will do is is uh is uh referred to as sprinkling sometimes um sometimes we'll pour um but sprinkling is usually the the term that gets used but, for immersion but there's no i don't know of a historical reason of why i mean because we do immersion if people want to do a baptism by immersion we We've done baptisms at the lake where people can reaffirm their baptism or be baptized for the first time at the lake. Ooh. We haven't had one since before COVID. Um, but yeah, there's no like right or wrong. Mm -hmm. 
the amount of water doesn't matter. Water is a symbol, a means, a means of grace, an ordinary means, an ordinary symbol by which extraordinary things are are conveyed. Um, but yeah, there's no, I don't know if the historical reason why. I think it usually, I mean, I, I don't know specifically for other traditions, but there is the the sort of Jewish tradition of the mikvah, which mm-hmm. is the pool that you walk through and it's deep enough that you can walk all the way through it till it gets over your head and come back out. So that's their, they're one of the Jewish cleansing rituals. But as far as Christian baptism, um, I'm not well, aware of a, of well, a- in early Christian, you know, in the first church, you still went through that and you went through right. purification. And there's a- 50 days. And then after Easter, you were walked through and you were given new clothes and you did it naked. Right. So. You did it naked. And there was, there were, you were also bathed in oil. Right. right. Um, so once you stepped out of, of the, the pool, um, completely naked, you, there were, the oil was poured over you and then yeah, the new clothes. So what we're saying is just be glad to be Methodist so you don't have to get naked. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> sure. I was going to say, it could have something to do with our kind of purits and roots in America, but I was also thinking about circuit writers, and I I don't know the answer to that, but. And and we're we're getting out of a more Catholic, uh, the Catholic um, liturgical Catholic Church of England route that, um, as far as I know, has pretty well always done uh, sprinkling, so. Yeah, and then there's the pragmatic end, too, as I've always been taught as a Methodist, like we'd. Sometimes we do things this way because it's more more prag- practical, pragmatic. It just makes right. more sense, right? We could spend the money for a baptismal, you know, pool, um, and fill it every time, or we could use a, a bowl right. and put the water, you know, and we'll do it another way. We'll get a you know a cow trough or whatever they call those things, and <laughs> and baptize people that way. But it's you know, or at the beach, some of our friends who live or serve churches at the beach do beach baptisms and. Yeah, I've done a couple of those. Yeah, those they're very hard. Do not appreciate uh, those. <laughs> right? Because some denominations get in arguments about what you got to do in the name of Jesus. They're like, no, 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 no. You got to do it in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. No, Holy Spirit. And they argue about the name and all that kind of stuff when it's, again, a God. Um, so, right. yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's the whole work of salvation too. I mean, like salvation and this whole idea of what you have to do to get salvation is all convoluted amongst denominations as well. Like you have to, you know, to say a certain thing, you have to pray a certain prayer and, and, and you, and then you have to do it. You have to do baptism or you have to do confession and, you know, it's, it's, and, and Methodism's understanding of grace is that the work has already been done through the cross and resurrection, you know, that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world and that that salvation work has already been done. Yes, we have to, I think, have to uh i don't know about that have to part but like there is a sense of the justifying grace and being able to say i cannot do this on my own and i need jesus christ salvific work in my own life to understand my own obstacles of sin um which is why there was death and resurrection um because of the sins of the world and my sins sometimes continue that process. And so, um, yeah, we, we, we do a lot to make people jump through hoops for a love that God already took care of. And the more hoops that you add to it and the more boxes that you put around it to me is 
is showing that you believe in a pretty small God. Correct. So God is, God is bigger than, than our, you know, nitpickiness. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Amen. yeah. Hallelujah. And I do think of Jesus on the cross, you know, the guy just simply said, Hey, he didn't say, I believe in you. I understand all this. You're the That's son of God. He said, hey, like, I think you're going to a place that I'm not going to. So could you remember me? And, and Jesus was like, Hey, I got you today. Today will be with me. Right? You're good. You're good. And I, I just think we make it a little too complicated and a little too hard um, for people to just receive love, yep. which is what baptism is all about. So, all right. Well, join us on our next episode. We'll release it sometime next week um, as we continue these questions, these great questions you guys asked um, that help us understand our faith. So we'll see you then. Bye, guys.